virus kaboom. You feel it in your bones, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We are so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Native, Mac Weldon, and HelloFresh. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's lamenting the fall even as he celebrates the summer. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Um, <clears throat> I guess, um, I don't know if Jeff said this, but my conditions to remain on the show, I have a prepared statement I need to read. <sighs> Hello, my name is Christian Spicer. I am a big dum dum. Half Life <laughs> Alex. Do I have to? Okay, fine. <laughs> is a perfect game. I was having are mine and mine alone. Jeff Kanata is what a handsome God of a human Jeff. What is it? And I am an idiot for being so dumb, dumb at half-life. I'm so proud of you for saying that in your own words and not (laughs) embellishing. You know what I mean? It just, it came straight from the heart and we all believed it. Uh, I'm sure you were persuaded by the numerous emails and tweets we got uh, classifying you as said dumb dumb. But you know what? I'm I'm staying impartial on this whole issue. I'm uh, I'm all staying. I got, all I got were tweets about how I'm a dumb dumb and how you're a god of a human being, like physically. So I was I, d- I don't know. Uh, I, I like I said, I'm staying out of it. It's between you and the audience at this point. So um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm Switzerland. Anywho. Um, we got lots of stuff to talk about this week. Holy moly. It is uh, it is the E3 that keeps on giving, the summer of games. And so we are. We got lots of uh, Ubisoft. Nacon had their first direct uh, Devolver. Oh, my goodness. There's so much to talk about. Plus games, games, games. There's still games. We just had the Steam summer sale. There's all kinds of stuff to get into. And guess what? We have... A fantastic guest to do that with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for describing the last Colossus. Because we have the guy who literally wrote the book on The Last Guardian and The Shadow of the Colossus. But yes, is also an independent game writer, designer, and consultant. He's done so much all over the video game industry. And he also happens to be one of my favorite people in the world. Mr. Nick Sutner is back with us. Hey, Nick. Thank you. Hello. That was that was a very kind intro. And I, I was wondering how you were going to work the DLC in this time. And it was perfect. Uh, <laughs> it's great to be back with you guys. It's it's great to talk to you. You know, I have to say, the last time you were on, you used to be sort of our go-to first guest of the new year. And I went back and listened to the the little intro we did uh, in 2019, when you were our first guest of 2019, and I had said at that point, 
We brought Nick back on as our first guest of 2019 because he was our first guest of 2018 and 2017. And those years were awesome. And so we just want to make sure we keep that train rolling. And then we didn't bring you on as the first guest of 2020. Look what happened. Look what happened. It's all our fault. I'm just here to apologize is what I'm here to do. We've been trying to figure it out for months. Like, where do we go wrong? And now we know. (laughs) We ruined the year. We ruined it. The rest of the year is going to be great now, right? Yes. We're trying to make up for for that. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's our turning point. Nick's back with us. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, uh, let's, well, you know what? Before we even jump into stuff. I know we have a lot to get to tonight, but I want to talk to you just a, uh, just a, a brief period of time here about what you've been doing because uh, you are writing games. Uh, some of the games you are writing just got announced. They're, it's big stuff. You, you are a full-on independent game writer, developer, creator. So tell me what, what pies you have your fingers in. Yeah. Um, thank you for uh, teaming me up to be self-promotional. Um, I'll, I'll keep it quick. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sort of doing a bunch of different stuff as usual. Um, there's a game called Carto uh, that we're wrapping up now that's going to be out later this year. Um, this really charming sort of uh, puzzle adventure game um, that you may have seen. It's being published by Humble Games. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, yeah, it looks great. So there's, uh, yeah, we actually just announced uh, like a couple weeks ago, I think, for PlayStation and Xbox One and Switch. Um, so that'll be out on everything. Um, and there's a nice like gameplay trailer we put up uh, in the last, um, the PlayStation is like any day they did a few weeks ago. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, actually, one thing I wanted to mention too, which actually have never, uh, you know, it's a it's a smaller involvement of mine, but I've like never mentioned it publicly. But it's relevant to your show because my good friend uh, Chris Cobb, who runs Ragtag Games, um, they're working on a game called Raise the Dead. They've been working on it for many years. It's this sort of zombie tactical Pikmin ish thing. Um, that we actually announced back when I was working at Sony many years ago. They were one of those nine indies on stage in like 2014 or whenever that was. Wow. So this is the the last holdout game that is still not out but it's coming out and it's coming out this year um and i mentioned because chris is a huge fan of your show he listens every week Um, and i actually worked a little bit with those guys and did sort of a an editing pass on the script and helped punch it up a little that sort of thing and it's a you know my involvement was pretty small but um i'm excited about that game still and wanted to mention it too because again he's a big fan of your show um great another thing i worked on is jet the far shore uh which was in five uh announcement um real uh coming from super brothers and like really an all-star crew of folks um and yeah that was that was awesome too again sort of smaller involvement on that one i was sort of in the writer's room and helped with editing and and some story stuff and um, nick we're good you can we have enough snacks (laughs) (laughs) i'll just hang out don't worry about it yeah yeah we're good um and that actually too there's a funny because i was actually just texting with uh craig adams i.e super brothers himself and he also has a personal connection to you he's also a listener to the show jeff yeah and he mentioned that he had a memory of going hiking with you yes. uh in like 2011 <laughs> yeah um with uh the mess off folks uh christine mark and nidhog and and also remembers playing um board games with you at snakes of lattes in toronto that's right yeah and in, in toronto yeah yeah so, it's good times man that, that hike was so much fun yeah it's the first time we had met in person and we go went on this long hike 
And it's funny because actually that's kind of why I'm working with with uh, Craig now on Jet is because um, I mean I, you know I I won't spend too long on this but su- I mean I think Sword and Sorcery Super Brothers last game is just like one of the I think it's one of the most important most amazing most influential games ever even if it's not spoken about as often it's these days brilliant yeah yeah and it's and and so that really was a touchstone for me and really inspiring in both my career and personally and I remember meeting Craig when he was showing at a GDC you know whatever ten plus years ago um, that was an important game when it came out him and I became friends um we just sort of kept in touch he came and showed me jet in its early form when i was working at playstation years and years ago and even then it was you know already really promising and and really exciting this big weird sci-fi thing um and then uh he came out here yeah, to the Bay Area, maybe like a year or so ago, um, and we went on a long hike um, and talked. Just caught up, mm-hmm. and and then from there we ended up working together on Jet. Um, he brought me onto the team, so uh, awesome. I don't know. So, so anyway, your show is part of this. Uh, hiking is part of this. Yeah, uh, it's all fit. Love it. Um, yeah, and then the main other thing I've been doing is I work kind of part time uh, for Panic, who published Untitled Goose Game and Firewatch, uh, and I help them on the game publishing side. So uh, we have our next game lined up post Goose uh, that we're pretty excited about, and we're also going to be releasing that Playdate uh, handheld gaming console, the weird little yellow thing with the crank. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is still coming. Um, so, yeah, lots of, lots of stuff going on. But That's awesome, man. I'm just so glad that, the, you know, the, just you, you're such an awesome creative force and such a good guy. And uh, it's great to see you involved in so many cool things. So, Too kind, sir. Too kind. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Uh, speaking of tentatively called tentatively titled goose game for now you know like mm-hmm. that's the working title exactly yeah <laughs> so it's, it's all goose games from here on out oh okay it's, all, it's goose games on goose games game of the uh, year well, titled goose game last year <laughs> all right uh let us jump in now and start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's usually where you can send criticisms of Christian's opinion on Half-Life, for example, or really anything. We, we love hearing from you. Mostly, I've enjoyed reading lots of those. Uh, but also, um, suggestions for Story of the Week. You can also hang out in our subreddit. Uh, there's people posting about you know, Christian's inability to play Half-Life there as well. It's, it's just really across the board anywhere. That's a five by five dlc.reddit.com. Um, but you know what? Really, I shouldn't have even have done the story of the week bumper because what this week is all about is the summer of games. It's the summer of games on DLC. You're gonna get hyped up in the news won't live up to your well, now see, I, I get so excited when that song comes in, and then at the end, I just leave out, leave feeling like a, you know. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's jump in and just start going through. We want to talk about all these directs. The first thing, I mean, Nick, you are someone who uh, has lots of experience both on the publishing side, on the developer side. It seems to me, just on a meta level. Everyone is embracing this direct idea, the Nintendo directification of the entire industry, obviously accelerated by COVID and the work from home and the inability to have an E3 at all. But I kind of feel like we're never coming back from this, right? It just feels like all these companies now have their own 
spotlight, their own day. We don't have to cram it all into a week of E3. Yeah. What do you think? I felt like even the sort of the, you know, E3 as it was before, it seemed like, you know, no one really wanted to be doing it still. And it felt like it was about to sort of collapse, uh, you know, every year, especially as some of the bigger companies pull out. Um, And it seemed like I think because Sony haven't done the last few years, right? They've been doing their own thing. Nintendo's done their own thing for a while. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like even looking at, you know, I I sort of can't imagine being in a crowded expo hall even next year. But even if that is the case, it's sort of like which of the big companies are still attached. So this kind of gives them the perfect excuse to do their own thing. Um, I I mean, I I don't know. I'm not uh, I'm sort of I don't I don't pay as much attention to just sort of general, I mean, I, you know, I'm on Twitter a bunch, but like just sort of general gaming press and getting caught up in these things. Like I, I used to, you know, even like Ubisoft, for instance, um, I just like the excitement around E3 and I would tune in and watch their entire thing. Even if most of the stuff they, they do doesn't appeal to me personally, but mm-hmm. this year, I think it's just like it, it, because inevitably it does feel a bit scattershot. It's not, you know, over just a few days, it's sort of over a couple months. It, it feels for me, it's like a bit less, a bit less exciting. There's still cool stuff that pops up from it, but you know, inevitably, I think it's a little incoherent this year. So, yeah. you know, I'm wondering if it does. If next year, maybe it splits the difference, right? Where it's like there is some E3 thing and it's still digital, but it's like a packed few days, and it's you know, people have time to figure this stuff out. But Christian, what do you think? Do you think we're still in an old paradigm of expecting it all to be compressed into this week, or does it feel nice to spread it all out over the summer? Or what's your feeling? That New Zealand has beaten this and we're in the middle of a horrible thing that's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But video games. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's it, though. I, 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 maybe a month ago I would have said, yeah, there'll be an E3 next year. I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I, I think we will continue to see people do uh, digital presentations. I think that E3... That, Going back to a focus in a singular week, I think might happen, or, or you know, maybe a month of June. Um, I believe that gaming websites have had all of their traffic up, um, but I'm not sure how much of that is pandemic and people are at home craving escape, or how much of it is news spread out over time. I know personally, I have found that I've missed things I otherwise would not have missed. Um, we're going to talk about Devolver in a little bit. But like normally, I, I am very aware of what they're doing. And this year, I was like, "Oh, that's when oh, it's now!" Like it just yeah. kind of up on me because so much is happening. Um, but I also don't know how much of that is because of the pandemic. Because kids are at home, and it's not like you know, okay, bye. I'm going to be doing just this for today. Um, but I thought Ubisoft's um, aside content. I'm not even talking about the content. Um, the presentation itself i thought was really well put together and i think we will see companies reacting to that versus the live demonstration that has the awkward moments and not like the fun gifable awkward moments that end up being good pr i mean like weird pauses mike's not working hey are you guys excited cricket i mean it's hard to pull off a live event right it's it's, there's a lot of moving pieces and it's unpredictable and you have no control you know when like 20 percent or more of that audience is critics you know, or, yeah. or enthusiast press, even it's not the same as fans of someone at a concert, <laughs> you know, right. it's not the same. Well, and, and Nintendo the- has, Nintendo has blazed that trail for a while now showing that this controlled messaging, this very, um, easy to watch focused presentation works. It's, it's pretty good. It's, it gets the message across, you know, which is what we all want. 
So, and you can you can imagine too, it's like the amount of money that it costs to put on one of these press conferences, and like you're saying, yeah. just the challenge of doing it live. That and then sort of the the ROI from it is so hard to measure. Whereas yeah. like putting together a, you know, it still costs money and resources, but like you can put together something I'm sure for far less money, and then you can directly sort of see the impact as much as ever. Yeah. So, well, let's dig into Ubisoft's presentation because uh, it happened as we're recording it today, uh, which uh, is pretty exciting stuff. They started. Um, I think the big, the first big game they showed was Watch Dogs Legion, uh, showed a, a, a pretty slick short film that was based on the, the property and then got into actual footage of the game. And, and actually, because you put it that way, Nick, I'm curious what it got me thinking about the ROI of stuff like short films like that. Uh, I wonder, you know, we see that a lot where games, new games coming up, they, invest a lot of money it must be extraordinarily expensive to make those you know two three five whatever they are minute um films and, and a lot of these big triple a games do that and a lot of gamers just sort of want gameplay right just show me the game show me the game it does set tone it does i think give it a level of prestige that is that has some rub but what's your impression of the roi on something like that is it useful do you do you, do you as a viewer get something out of a um, short film like that man i guess yeah i guess i can only speak to like for myself with it but like far cry 6 for instance you know I, i'm not really a shooter guy almost at all but i did play through uh far cry 4 with a friend like past past the controller and that was super fun and like it's a franchise that i'm open to because there's a lot of like fun open world shenanigans to be had uh, but this is one where it's like i went and i you know i i missed the conference streaming live so i went and checked on ubisoft's youtube channel and it was like all right there's like a far cry 6 trailer which is just like a seed story introduction of sort of the main antagonist seemingly uh and then there's like the cinematic intro of the game to sort of like stylish opening credits and then there's like i think there was one other thing about like the making of it but none of it had gameplay and that's really all i wanted like all i wanted was you know one minute of like uncut b-roll like that to me accomplishes so much more of something i might be interested in like i watch the other stuff and it is really well done um and i get kind of setting the tone and of course you know gaming tends to follow especially these big companies follow like hollywood's model of sort of uh right putting out like just the name of the game and then the you know then the poster teaser teaser, exactly but but games are so fundamentally different because they're interactive so it's like you can't really experience it until you get your hands on it but you know next to that i guess at least you can see gameplay so i guess i guess seeing anything except gameplay for me is just kind of meaningless and then on the i mean i'm, I'm a little complaining about, about the ubisoft stuff but on the other end of like the, the watchdogs for instance all i wanted there was like a one minute gameplay trailer like what yeah. does the game look like i don't want to watch like a 10 minute or like you know thing or a 30 minute thing like in the case of assassin's creed like a deep dive it's like no i just want a little taste of like what you know i've I've known that these games existed for a year now it's like what are they looking like coming out just give me a little taste but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I sound a bit cynical i I'm, i feel like i'm very antithetical to your your uh loving stuff no uh, no no, no. i'm sorry i no. i think a lot of people agree with you and i, I agree with you to a, to a certain extent as well i mean i think that Ultimately, that's how I'm going to make my decision about whether I'm excited about a thing is that I see the thing, right? It's not, not the, the stuff that is ancillary to the thing. And, I, and in a lot of ways, that's what's so great about the indie game uh, market is that there's no budget for, you know, a six-minute celebrity director movie. Yeah. You just show the game, right? And then you go, oh, I, that art style looks really ext- interesting or that game mechanic looks really cool. And 
you know, that's when I see, especially those, you know, as we've gotten, you know, accustomed to these montages of indie games, it's really easy for me to pick out the ones that I go, oh, I got to get my eye on that one. I got to keep, you know, keep that one in the back of my head as when it comes out, because you really see the game and you go, I get a sense of immediately. I get a sense of whether I'm, it's going to be a game for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Christian, I know that you were, uh, were awed by some of the trailers you had texted me while, while the presentation was happening about the quality and uh, impressiveness of the trailers. Yeah. I mean, I think Ubisoft makes some of the best trailers in the business. Um, like, you know, I don't know if that helps, if that sells me on the game or not. Like I'm not super interested in, in watchdog Legion to be perfectly honest, but I would love to see that short as a feature film. You know, it, it was like a nice, cool art style that brought in some stuff from into the spider verse style, like graphics and, um, animation text and stuff play, yeah text and i thought it was really compelling and it made a really neat interesting world um but it doesn't translate to me going and now i'm going to buy and play that, that game i would love to see that show come to netflix or something you know um yeah. but even their larger gameplay trailers i think are, are are pretty good um the watchdogs trailer that they showed did show i think kind of what that game is all about and, and what you can do in it and i think they still did it in a stylistic way that um you know is very effective uh and then the far cry 6 trailer i thought was really great also in terms of or the teaser opening cinematic or whatever it ends up being in terms of setting the the stage for what that world is and, and kind of the tone they're going for my problem with the last few Far Cry games is that they've all had, not all, three and four, I guess, were were slightly different. But five, and it looks like this, have a very serious kind of trailer tone to it of like, these are the things we're doing, and it's this, and it means that, and whatever, whatever, whatever. And then in five, I'm flying a biplane with a bear on the wing and a guy named Bubba shooting a rocket launcher, dropping the F word every two seconds, <laughs> you know? So I'm curious if Far Cry 6 changes that at all between this very... Um, self-serious isn't quite the right word, but, you know, serious uh, drama. Yeah, you're setting up this, like, political revolution world and theme. So, like, it's hard. You know, once you've done that, it's hard to inject a bunch of wacky stuff. Or, or maybe they're trying to have both. Maybe they're trying to set that thing up front and then they'll save the, like, wacky antics trailer for six months from now. And I, I think they are going to try to have both because pre-order bonuses came out and one is, like, a dog in like a wheelchair or something like that you know it's like so yeah and they and certainly the the trailers for five were all like religious cults you know it was it was very serious wait is that is that dog in a wheelchair a bioshock reference do you guys know about that thing i don't that the, the little sisters in bioshock were originally going to be like dogs in wheelchairs Oh, really? Yeah, it's like a real thing. <laughs> That's fun. I never knew that. That's funny. Yeah. I, I don't Crazy. know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is a nice nod back. But and the other one's like, I don't know. Listeners can look it up. But yeah, it, it's a curious thing for me how, the, how it strikes that balance. But I thought the Hyperscape trailer was incredible. It makes me want a game in that. It sounds like they're setting that thing up to be a lot more, have the potential to be more than just a Battle Royale game in terms of like, they did a lot of world building for you didn't need any of that explanation. It could just be like, come play the coolest battle Royale game. You know, there you go. <laughs> it's in the future and you're off, but it's like, you're in this oppressive future and you have these goggles and in these goggles, you're playing this thing, but someone's hacking it. So there's like a, something going ha- on within this game that's set in the real world. That's all this other stuff. 
but really cool. And I'd love to see the Netflix show. Well, I'm sure they, I'm sure they want to give you all those Netflix shows too. I'm sure they're actively making that happen. Well, they're not act unless they're in New Zealand. They're not actively making. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, deal making. Okay, but yeah. um, uh, but I, you know, talking about tone, one of the things I was kind of surprised about with the Watchdogs gameplay trailer was how wacky it it seemed. You know, it it, it almost kind of got to a um um the name just left my head the um. Uh, the uh, Saints Row. It almost got to a Saints Row level, you know, hmm. uh, to me. It, it was, it was, I guess I didn't really play much of Watch Dogs 2, but I don't remember that franchise really being that kind of wacky, you know, there's a guy who gets drunk and an old lady who hits you with her bag and all this. And, and you know, maybe that's, maybe that'll make it really fun. And maybe that's what's kind of clever about this notion of being able to recruit any single NPC you see in the entire world. Maybe that's what's fun about it is you go, what's what's the weirdest NPC I can use and how can it be useful? But I think that 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 like franchise always struck me as like not having like as much of a tone or personality uh as it was. So maybe that's mm. a good thing to have sort of more of a specific tone to latch on to. Like it seemed like a bunch of yeah. cool, you know, uh gamey set pieces and and mechanics and stuff. And, and I've heard the second one was like secretly amazing. Um, but I think adding a bit more personality seemed like it could only help. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's coming out October 26th, so it'll be here before we know it, which is pretty interesting. Um, ghost recon they announced is adding AI bots that you can play alongside. So if you don't have friends or people online to point, to break point, hmm? the existing ghost recon, the ghost recon Breakpoint. Breakpoint, yes, the the current Ghost Recon, um, which I think is a is a pretty cool addition. I like any you know team based game that lets me play regardless of when it's convenient for everybody else. I think that's a good thing. Um, as you mentioned, Christian, the hyperspace beta uh, is live now. It's open and live, and you can download it as we speak and get in on hyperspace and try it out. Escape, 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 escape. Why do I keep I keep getting everything wrong? Hyperscape. Hyperscape. Uh, hyperscape is a real thing, right? That sci-fi taught us. And hyperscape is something they could trademark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hyperscape open beta is uh, now. I think we'll be talking about that later in the show. But um, that's their free to play battle royale because everybody's got to have one of those. Uh, and then there was um, deep dive into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. This is the gameplay footage reveal that everyone thought was going to happen at the Xbox event and <laughs> you know, it happened now, but there was a ton of actual footage, both during the Ubisoft forward, which is what they're calling their direct. And, uh, and afterwards in the post show, they showed lots more gameplay footage. Um, for me, the real heartbreaker of this game is that it comes out literally two days before cyberpunk, two of these like hundred plus hour experiences both of which I'm really excited to play two days apart. It's just, it couldn't be less convenient. That seems like a bad idea. Like, <laughs> I'm really surprised that's happening. I mean, maybe that's a console launch date and we don't know it. I, I don't I have no idea. But um, saving that, like, that's a weird, that's a weird move. Yeah, it's just, it's just so unfortunate. You, so excited about these things. We haven't had an Assassin's Creed in two years. And now it comes out within days Two days of cyberpunk. It just, it's a bummer that cyberpunk's date had to change so often. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm really disappointed because it really makes 
me particularly have to choose and i don't want to i don't if want you to. if you if you want i can bring up uh both of these companies being relatively uh, problematic especially off well, late if that's, a, if that's a good reason not to play one or both <laughs> well you know i have to say uh, i did see some tweets while ubisoft forward was was happening from some sort of rank and file um de- uh, designers and and employees at ubisoft saying hey you know, there are hundreds of people that make these games. Please keep in mind that, you know, we put our blood, sweat and tears into For these sure. games as well. And so, yeah, I certainly sympathize with that. And I am not trying to discount it in any way. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of complexity with that with that. But you're right. You're right. I know it's a, it's, it's a can of worms. Yeah. Um, um, but you, what did you think of what did you think of Assassin's Creed Valhalla? I don't know if you were somebody that has enjoyed this franchise. I, I really fell in love with Odyssey and I think it's really one of my favorite games ever. So I'm excited for this next iteration. I really enjoyed listening to you talk about Odyssey and seeing on Twitter how much you love that game. That was like my main I didn't play that game. So that was my main experience with that game is seeing how much you loved it, which was like genuinely like made me excited for it for a long time. I just <laughs> I'd never got around to it, but like I fully trust that it's a great game because of your love. Um well, thanks. I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm a weirdo who really loved the first Assassin's Creed. I thought it was like really ambitious and interesting, and I think the franchise sort of. I mean, this is obviously going back many games at this point. It kind of built the series out in a way where I sort of wanted to build it in, like it turned into this huge, Mm. sprawling open world thing with so much breadth. And I kind of wanted more depth. Like I wanted like one walled city with like really crazy, you know, deep, interesting dynamics and scripted assassinations. Mm. Um, So I just sort of. I mean, I, I play. I've played through a couple of the earlier ones too it never quite recaptured some of the actual assassination like focus and magic of the first one for me but um this one looks cool it's just kind of hard for me to tell like what it is because it doesn't really look like sort of a i mean i i watched like the maybe seven or ten minute gameplay like chopped up thing um yeah it didn't seem like a big open world thing like the rest it seemed more like you go sailing and you like raid some you viking raid some villages on the coast and then you go build up your base so the actual structure of the game felt different and it looked more like i don't know why this is an assassin's creed game they were like oh here's some assassinations and oh here's like blending in with the crowd briefly but it didn't look like either of those things were really new so it's i don't know this i mean i think a lot of the assassin's creed games at this point feel like they could just be their own ip if they wanted them to yeah i mean i think odyssey barely was an assassin's creed game but that's kind of what i liked about it right because right. i wasn't into the franchise so much but do they still have the sci-fi stuff like yeah scattered in okay i think it happened like three times exactly three times in that game wow. and both and all three times it was very brief but mm. I, I don't know I, I think the way that they i don't want to reveal anything for me maybe anybody that still wants to play that game but the way that they did some of the sci-fi stuff, I thought was pretty cool. And what I like about it is that it allows them to make this, you know, quote unquote historical game have some fantasy elements to it, which to me is, is fun. I'm, you know, I'm into that, but I agree with you that it's, you know, it's, it's not a game about being an assassin <laughs> it's at all. It's, it's basically the Witcher uh, in a time period. Right. But are you uh, that, are you a bad like guy it. in the new one? Like, are you a bad Viking who raids good villages? I, I couldn't really tell. I, I I mean, I guess from the English perspective, you would be, but I don't I don't know. I will have to find out at, uh, how they're doing the story. But it certainly seems like literally just walking into a place and you know shooting burning arrows at at, at right. rooftops is pretty pretty hardcore. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I also. One of the things that I loved most about Odyssey was just being in that place, being in ancient Greece and like how beautiful everything was. 
And I have no doubt that the game will be beautiful from a video game graphics perspective. But I also feel like everything they've showed so far for Valhalla is dark and dirty and grimy. And, and I get it, you know, that's Viking stuff. But I don't know if I will love, I will want to spend a hundred hours there like I did want to spend a hundred hours in the, you know, sun dappled beaches of ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Uh, Christian, what did you think of the Valhalla footage? I thought it looked good. I'm curious to see how it does or does not take advantage of next gen hardware or kind of how it compares on on PC from what Odyssey was. It looks like an evolution of what they've kind of been building. And I know this this team is largely the Origins team, which kind of started Assassin's Creed on this on this trend. But, you know, it looks like a nice culmination of, of that arc of Assassin's Creed. And I'm excited to play it. I'm curious how much like base building and those aspects of the game come into play versus um, other elements. You know, it, it, that seems like it might be a bigger add this time than last time. Like it has the raids, which maybe look similar to the what were they called in Odyssey? Like the big beach battles. Um, oh yeah, the uh, yeah the, the yeah whatever they were called the. Yeah, I can't remember what they're huge. called, actually. Kind of yeah, zoomed yeah. around on the battlefield, and, and it seems like maybe the raids are that this time. I think it's interesting when they... Yeah, that's a good point. ...that, like, your squad um, comes with you in on, on the beach, you know, or, you know, on, when you got off your boat, and it's like, they come with you, and they're going to take people down. So I hope the AI is good. Like, those are the questions I have. It's like, that could be really cool, or it could just be not really noticed. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's happening in the yeah. background. Or it could be very frustrating if it's like, uh, you know, Trevor Viking doesn't shoot the thing, and you're like, oh, I gotta go shoot the thing because Trevor Viking didn't shoot the thing. Well, if it's if it's anything like the those big battles were in Odyssey that you're referencing, which I think is actually a pretty good comparison, it didn't occur to me that that is the sort of one to one of it. Um, the 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 scale was sort of just this backdrop upon which one on one or one on two or one on four battles were happening. You know, it was yes, there were hundreds of people all smacking each other. And you could run around and smack any of those hundreds of people. But ultimately, it was sort of just a background. It didn't really affect what you were doing. And I suspect that your AI companions on your raids won't have any kind of heavy lifting to do actually on the whether you succeed or fail. It'll just sort of be like the general chaos of the battle, um, which I'm fine with. I want to be the one doing it anyway. And actually, that's what I was most worried about when I was watching it is the thing I loved or one of the things I loved about Odyssey was taking down a giant fortress of bad guys by myself because I would use all the cool skills I had unlocked. I would do it all stealth. I would, you know, just be liquid death moving through this fortress and wipe everyone out before anyone even saw me. And I thought that was really fun. Like that was, that was the assassin part of the, this particular Assassin's Creed from my perspective was I could just walk into a, uh, fortress never be seen and murder everybody and take over the, and then you know convert the fortress um Doesn't and if they're like forcing the viking style <laughs> it's so true but also it's an assassin's creed game right so theoretically you're an, a viking assassin i don't know I, that's why I, that's just why right when they though. like throw a bone to like oh and there's crowds you have to like blend in with a little bit and like it's like well, i don't know does viking want to blend in <laughs> <laughs> right yeah your giant horned helm is exactly. sticking up out of the yeah yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they pull it off. I, I'm I'm excited for the game. I think you know they've they've won me over so hard that I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, and and I 
I think this is going to be cool. But again, two days before Cyberpunk, it just feels like woof, woof, woof. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be an expensive month. Like November is always yeah. expensive, but this year is going to be. Yeah. yeah and two consoles to buy. Yeah, for sure. It, uh, Valhalla also looked a bit like, um, like it reminded me of like Sid Meier's Pirates, like maybe what I was seeing in the theater of my mind when I was playing Pirates <laughs> as a kid. Uh, yeah. and it did make me want like a Pirates game. Well, speaking of a Pirates game, you know, Skull and Bones was supposed to be Ubisoft's pirate game, which we've seen delayed and delayed and delayed. No mention of that in the entire presentation. Yeah, does no that mention. Exist? Yeah, does it exist? That's a great question. No mention of Gods and Monsters, which had a release date, I think, didn't it? Uh-huh. Did, it wasn't is. it like February? I, I thought it's had several release dates, but yeah, or it was 2020 or something. Well, I don't think yeah. we've ever even seen gameplay, right? Only that initial like cinematic right. trailer, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Beyond Good and Evil 2, which I wasn't actually expecting to see. But it seems like, you know, Gods and Monsters, Skull and Crossbones, Beyond Good and Evil 2... It seems like the ampersand games not 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 doing too well for Ubisoft. If, you, if your game has an ampersand in the title, you didn't get shown at Ubisoft Forward 2020. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I think that's <laughs> that's that's ultimately kind of my disappointment with it. And I'm I'm like the the indie guy in the room, I guess. So it's inevitable. But uh, you know, I think a lot of like yeah, I think Ubisoft actually like their games are of a, a high quality. Maybe the sort of best overall, like the, you know, average quality of game is maybe the highest out of the third party publishers. Maybe. Um, but a lot of these games like often look like the same game and they're usually shooters. And I think they did historically have a nice track record of things like Beyond Good and Evil or something like Gods and Monsters, even though it has a very different tone. And they did always really seem to like value art really highly, even just visual art and things looking different. And like the Rayman series was gorgeous and totally very different. And that always stood out during E3. I feel like there was always one or two things like that in Ubisoft press conferences at E3 of like, oh, here's the artful, beautiful thing that is part of our identity as a company and that to me like wasn't there today and hasn't been there for a while and it's kind of a bummer never mind publishing some smaller indie games like they did with things like you know child of light or valiant hearts like there were a few yeah. along the way that were really cool so that part of the identity of the company for me is has been lost a bit which is a bummer i think that is an excellent point i mean the only thing even remotely close to that is brawlhalla which is basically you know super smash brothers uh, right but that's also um, been around for like five years or something so yeah that's, yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. All of the quirk and all of the sort of interesting stuff. The, the charm. Now it's yeah. like, now the charm has to come out and like, you know, Ghost Recon has some charm because it's kind of cell shaded or whatever. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't think this was the showcase for that. I think there will be another one. I don't think it's like E3 where it's like, this is everything for the year. I think mm-hmm. it will continue. Oh, you, you think that. like another summer one? I don't know if it'll be summer. Maybe it'll be September or something like that. But I feel like with what I've been kind of reading and hearing and seeing online, I feel like Ubisoft took the right direction for what people want to see right now as like next gen is on the horizon. It's like, let's show those big bombastic games that people are associating with Ubisoft, right? Um, These open worlds. And then they can still come out with that, you know, Rayman, uh, uh, what is the Rabbids, Just Dance, like just those three alone are important franchises to them. They always have a Starlink or something equivalent to that. And then the indies you mentioned, um, I have a hard time thinking the the studio as a whole isn't still pursuing those. I just don't think this was the conference to show them. 
I guess to me that's that's though I think maybe part of the shame of if every company is taking the Nintendo Direct style and doing it that way. I think that the bigger like people tune in to see the Far Cry announce and that is going to be a Trojan horse and like lift up the smaller stuff and like yeah. while you're tuned in that's you know and Sony does this sometimes with the state of play stuff. It's like you go for The Last of Us uh, but you also get a couple other cool unexpected things along the way like it, just to me that's an opportunity and I think those things have a harder time standing on their own um, well, otherwise package it with the far cry gameplay deep dive you yeah, know yeah. like that yeah I hope, I hope so yeah yeah well before we go on i want to stop and thank our first sponsor which is native i've been using native deodorant for quite a while now and it's because i believe in being able to know what goes in the stuff that i use uh the food that i buy products that i use and even deodorant so Native uh, is a deodorant that doesn't just block odor better. It's actually made better. And Native has ingredients you've heard of, like coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca starch. It's also vegan and has never been tested on animals. It's aluminum-free. <laughs> it's delicious. Dude, the, the, the odors do make me hungry sometimes. They have Tapioca starch. I want some, like, boba-scented deodorant. <laughs> They have, dude, their new scents, they're doing um, summer seasonals. Uh, They're called the Great American Road Trip. Uh, They're they're happening through September. They have uh, sweet peach and nectar, Mm. apple and honeysuckle, uh, cactus flower and poppy. I mean, these are delicious. Is it deodorant or is it a hipster ice cream shop? (laughs) You don't know. It could be both. It could be delicious. Uh, I like being... uh, you know, smelling delicious. Uh, also, coastal oak and amber, which I really want to try. Coastal oak and amber. That sounds awesome. So these are uh, special new summer seasonals. They do with seasonals all the time, but this is a, a much bigger initiative. Uh, and they're doing plastic-free packaging, which is pretty awesome. Um, the native plastic-free deodorant now is made from 100% cardboard and 0% plastic. This is the kind of company that I want to support. And they also have great scents, great, great uh, uh, aromas that will make you smell good, make you feel good, make you, um, you know, not stink, which is which is really the most important part with a deodorant, quite frankly. Over 10 cents, uh, (laughs) cents, not cents, you know, what I'm saying Um, their classic, most popular ones, coconut and vanilla, which also smells like you want to be delicious. Uh, Lavender and rose, cucumber and mint. Uh, the cucumber and mint I have and the coconut and vanilla I have, both of which personally can vouch for being delicious smelling and just great. Just great. They smell fresh and good. Not just, you know, it's it, it's really nice. Lovely can I, stuff. Can I add something to your ad read? Please. So there was, I was also, I've seen a couple of these uh, native deodorant ads. I think there were actually somewhere when I was watching on YouTube, the Ubisoft stuff, um, one popped up. And I also appreciate that they have a gay couple in their ads. Um, yeah. I thought that was really cool to see from a big, a big product like that. So this is the kind of company you want to support. And native is also risk-free to try. Every product comes with free shipping in the U.S. plus a 30-day free return and exchange policy. So you can check out why so many people love native and why it smells great. Uh, and they why they have over 14,000 five-star reviews. So do what I do. Use Native. Give it a try. Start using Native today by going to nativedo.com slash DLC. That's N-A-T-I-V-E-D-E-O. It's the first three letters of deodorant. Nativedo.com slash DLC. And then use the promo code DLC at checkout. Get yourself 20% off your first order. 
That's nativedo.com slash DLC and the promo code DLC at checkout for 20% off your first order. All right. The Ubisoft Forward was not the only digital press conference that we had this week. We also had Nacon Direct, which is the first time that Nacon has ever done a- an event like this. Uh, Nacon, maybe not an, even a name you would be yeah, what, familiar what is with. <laughs> this is a, uh, a publisher, uh, evidently French speaking, because the entire thing was in French. And uh, they do a lot of games that a lot of people are excited about, including Vampire the Masquerade and Test Drive Unlimited. They announced a new Test Drive Unlimited wow. game, Solar Crown, uh, which is a pretty big deal for people who are fans of that game. I remember playing the first Test Drive game on my IBM PCXT. I remember buying it. and ugh, Dude, Test Drive has been around a long, long time. It was like 89 or probably even earlier. Um but these are, you know, these are these are big franchises. Werewolf, The Apocalypse, Earthbound, Steel Rising was a new game that got that got a new trailer announcement. I don't really know what kind of game it's going to be, uh, but there are a couple of games here that definitely I'm, piqued I'm my interest. I'm correct you to the word Earthblood, since you said Earthbound, which some people could get uh, a little too excited Man. about. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am gotten a thousand today. I am doing it. I am uh, I'm unable to read English. It turns out. Um, so yes, uh, Werewolf, the Apocalypse, Earth Blood, Earth Blood, uh, which is quite a title. Werewolf, the Apocalypse, Empire, the Masquerade's Mother Three. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I will tell you the game that piqued my interest. I'm I'm curious, Christian, what you think about Test Drive? I don't. I know you're a big racing guy, and whether um, Nick, you have any other games here that stick out to you? But I'll tell you the game that the Nacon Direct. Uh, made me get all excited about and that is a game called rogue book and the reason i'm excited about rogue book is because it is being co-designed by none other than richard garfield the guy who designed magic the gathering and a whole bunch of other games uh kind of a luminary in the trading card and tabletop gaming space yeah and he's come on board with this group to help design what is basically a um a deck building game and his Reason for doing it is twofold. At least that's what was said in the direct. The first is he's a big fan of this this uh, developer's games, including a game I haven't played yet, but I bought immediately after watching it because it got the Richard Garfield seal of approval called Feria. Have you played Feria, Nick? No, I'm, I'm looking right now at some of these things. But yeah, no. Feria, it's been out since 2017. I wasn't aware of it, but Richard Garfield said he was addicted to it. So I'm like, okay, buying that. Um, anyway, so he was so enamored with that game that he wanted to team up with this, with this developer and create a game called Roguebook. And the second reason that he said he was excited to do it is because he said most deck building games, it's all about getting better cards into your deck and then culling the deck, getting cards out of it. So you have this lean, mean deck where only great cards come up and you get rid of all of the bad cards that you had along the way that weren't, that aren't actually as powerful as the later cards. So you draw the later cards more frequently which is pretty much how you play every deck building game he said he wanted to create a deck building game where you don't do that where you actually do this thing called he called it fat deck building where you just get more and more and more cards into your deck and that is actually a benefit which i found to be a fascinating design philosophy and and an interesting goal and he said the way that they solved it is that each of the characters and and that you can select in rogue book has a talent tree and the talents unlock the more cards you have in your deck, Hmm. which sounds really interesting. I don't know if it sounds like it 
completely solves that problem, but I can't wait to see. I mean, Richard Garfield knows what he's talking about. So this game evidently isn't coming out until May 2021. So it'll be a long, long wait, but I am certainly intrigued by Rogue Book. Yeah, it looks, which was looks, announced. Looks really nice. It looks a lot like Slay the Spire too. Um, which yeah. I think that's another game too that I don't really associate with calling cards. Like I think that that, that game is mostly about just building, you know, mm. building bigger decks. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, this is super relevant to my interests. I, I uh, <laughs> host a podcast that's kind of about roguelikes sometimes. So yeah, no, I totally missed this. Looks cool. Yeah, I guess they announced another game called Rogue Lords, which uh, also looks like a sort of a hybrid, uh, sort of JRPG style and rogue like. Uh, which was interesting. But Christian, did you get a chance to see anything about this new test drive game? Are you a fan of the test drive series? Uh, I have been test drive is a a series that in my opinion has had its peaks and valleys, like any good road course. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I do have fond memories of test drive. I mean, it was a game that for years would, you know, highlight what your computer could do. Right. I mean, it was, doing the E3 demo before there were E3 demos of like the new racing game that was coming out and look how awesome it looks. I think solar crown is really interesting. I mean, what I've seen and maybe there's more, what I've seen is just like the tiniest little bit of kind of gameplay or rendered um, trailer and then talking about the game. But what I've been able to read and, you know, kind of hear about it and I'm getting the impression that it might lean into the Forza horizon style world where it's like you're on this island you're driving around status is important um so you're probably you know doing different events jumping into things it seems like multiplayer or an online component is a big part of it uh so i'm all for a game that kind of leans into that forza horizon open world racing aesthetic but maybe does it with different driving dynamics or you know maybe something that's even more arcadey could be interesting um and and maybe bypasses the my first five hours are in a you know non-st ford fiesta or something like that like i think test drive has often been about you you start in kind of a ridiculous car and even get more ridiculous after that so i'm curious to see what it is 2021 i think uh will be an interesting year for driving games with maybe gran turismo 7 is that this year is that a launch game for life like made by polyphony so no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then the next Forza and then the teaser or trailer, whatever they showed for test drive solar crown looked really good. So I, every year I feel like, or every console generation, I should say they put out the, you know, new racing games. And I always think like, this is it <laughs> never going to get better than this. <laughs> and then we get a new generation and, and it gets better and better. So I'm very excited um, to keep my eye on it. I, I'm not, you know, hovering over the pre-order yet. Cause it's a little bit of an unknown quantity, but I'm excited. I think they're saying all the right things. This whole presentation, this Nacon Direct or Nacon, I think it's Nacon, um, leads me to believe that this kind of thing is going to be happening more and more. That even these smaller publishers are going, hey, maybe we couldn't have afforded the you know giant theater presentation in Los Angeles in the week of June. But this we can do. We can put together a pretty stylish, interesting, fun digital version of that and we can make ourselves on par with uh, the big dogs you know some of the other bigger publishers i'm not trying to discount nakon or, or or slight them in any way but it does feel like you know this was their first time ever doing that and maybe there are more smaller publishers that will be able to do these kinds of things and put together these kinds of packages and and maybe this is the new paradigm maybe this is where we're going to be from from now on mm-hmm. it does oh. level the playing field i mean the internet 
it's like anyone can make a a news stream look like broadcast news, right? Like you can set that up in your loop, yeah. you can say whatever you want, and it can look just as credible and legit. Like anyone can do it. It takes a little bit of technical know-how and you know, you might have to max out a credit card or two, but anyone can do it. Uh, and as awesome and as sometimes scary as that is, the same is true for these direct presentations where, yeah, it's not anyone can have a stage booth presence like Sony and Xbox and Nintendo did. Like when Nintendo did the Hyrule takeover for um, Breath of the Wild, like what an incredible booth. And that's so much money, like design, building, the space on the show floor. But yeah, anyone can make a really good looking digital presentation and if you have the games to back it up i think you could see uh that playing field get really leveled where it's not i don't want to go look at that booth back in the corner that's like you know sal's video games (laughs) you know or whatever it is uh isn't getting foot traffic but you can put out great games and you can put out a great trailer i think it can help a lot of um, publishers and developers be seen and honestly, that's one of the things I miss most about E3 is wandering around and stumbling upon something that I didn't know existed until I saw the little booth or I saw the kiosk that I walked up and could play. Um, you know, it happens less and less these days, but there was always those few games at E3 that you didn't know you were excited about until you found them. Mm-hmm. And I like the, the fact that some of these these, you know, smaller publishers can have their day in the sun, can make a presentation like this, and I can go, oh my gosh, Rogue Book. Wow, I'm excited. That's cool. And New Earthbound. <laughs> New Earthbound? <laughs> Who knew? Nobody knew until I said it. it Wrong. Rogue Book, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. Wow, that looks fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and we have to talk about Devolver. Devolver also did their direct talk about... Uh, Talk about a stylish presentation. Oh, boy. Um, Devolver, I have several several friends that work at Devolver. Fa- fantastic people, lovely people. I like a lot of their games. But, man, their presentation, they're sort of like, I don't identity is one that just kind of isn't my jam. You know what I mean? I, like I said, I love a lot of Devolver games. I love a lot of the people that work there. But this presentation, wow. It was a lot of shouting. It was a lot of uh, ultra violence, and hey, they do them. They do what they do very well. They have figured out what they want the identity to be, and they are in it. <laughs> but I don't know. It was a lot of. It was pretty intense. But I know Nick, you had some uh, standouts from the Devolver Direct. Well, I, I think I agree with you. Like, I love a lot of people there. Uh, a lot of their games. I worked with them for many years when I was at PlayStation. Uh, and but yeah, I think the general like tone is maybe not my thing. But I really respect that. Like they are the only ones who have like a narrative to their press <laughs> yeah. conferences that spans multiple years. Like there's several yeah. years into this thing now with characters and like, I'm sure for people who are like into it, it's really fun to get a new sort of short film every year with this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah I thought some of the games are really good though. I mean, just think there's a game called carrion um, that's been around for a while, but got a release date, which is like a couple weeks away now on the 23rd, um, I think on switch and Xbox and PC. Um, that looks awesome. It's kind of like you're this big, weird, weird uh like bloody looking tentacle blob um sort of really nice pixel art you're moving through some sort of science facility and like grabbing scientists um 
kind of looks like the end of uh, another game. I guess I shouldn't spoil, but uh, <laughs> people who've seen it might might sound familiar. Uh, but no, that game just looks awesome. And it's the sort of thing where like the very first trailer I saw, you know, a year or two ago, I was like sold. That looks great. And I'm just glad it's coming out soon. Um, another game they uh, announced that they're publishing called Olija. O-L-I-J-A. Uh, this is one that I saw at Bits Summit, I believe, um, in Kyoto last year um, and met some of the devs. And is this really cool, really like beautiful, uh, also pixel art, really great style, though. Great like color palette really stands out. Um, it's kind of this action platformer. You have this like... Um, spear and the world is just really cool and sort of has a lot of minimalist storytelling sort of uh like out of this world style uh feels a bit like that game and um yeah i'm glad they picked that up that was really cool and then you know they showed like shadow warrior 3 and serious sam 4 which isn't my thing but i think i appreciate sort of what i was saying i wanted out of like far cry or the ubisoft stuff i like that shadow warrior i can just watch like a minute and a half trailer of just uninterrupted gameplay and i'm like yeah okay cool this is like it's pretty and wacky and there's some really actually the the enemies in that trailer look really cool it looks reminded me of Okami, oh yeah um that, were really that, that cool. crazy um like carnival like, yeah. clown thing yeah the, like, accordion thing yeah like, flopping around wild. super creepy yeah yeah uh they look fun and then they also um announced and put up on steam this devolverland expo thing which is like a like a game that's sort of a fps of like exploring this this you know uh I don't know, unused uh, convention center for a show that was canceled. Um, and it's like a weird marketing vehicle for their games, but done in like a very tongue-in-cheek Devolver game. And I'm sure it's a fun thing for people who want to check that out. And I'm, I imagine it's free too. It's clever. And, and it's a it's a really interesting niche they've carved out. And uh, I, I admire them for it. It's just, as you said, tonally, not exactly my jam, but uh, Christian, did you see any of this stuff? Yeah, I did. It's, um, I, I think I share your sentiments. I'm sure there will be several games of theirs that come out in the next 12 months that I really enjoy. Um, but I wasn't like chomping at the bit during this for like, this needs to be the one. Um, Shadow Warrior and Serious Sam were the franchises I probably were, have been the most attached to in the past. And I, I, I feel like I know less about Shadow Warrior 3 than Serious Sam 4, um, kind of what I've seen and what they've shown. But Part of me like respects both for seemingly sticking very closely to the franchise roots of the past. And then part of me is like, I've played three slash two of those <laughs> already, and I'm not sure I need more of the same. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of coming across neutral to flat on it uh, and, and yeah. hope to be excited about something that didn't necessarily set off my radar right now in a couple of months. Another another game too that was there I forgot to note down was Fall Guys, uh, which I think it's I think August fourth yeah. was the release date. That's a game that was announced a, a while back, but and maybe I missed it, but I never really like knew what the game was. I'm not sure they had sort of fully revealed gameplay uh, in the first trailer, and it's it's a game where you're sort of running these big obstacle courses as these cute little physicsy guys, and it's like sixty players at once, and it's sort of a battle rail where you want to be the last person standing. Uh, it looks I don't love the aesthetic, but it looks really fun, and I think that game is just really smart like i think taking that battle rail idea and putting it in a framework that is just way more accessible uh conceptually and it's yeah. like a more all ages like that just seems like and mixing with sort of the gang beasts like physics right. player angle like i feel like that game will inevitably be huge uh, and i do want to try it yeah it really stood out just because aesthetically it was so much different than anything else they were showing you know the color palette and everything was was very different very cool uh, you hear that, right. that ubisoft 
<laughs> exactly yeah you're the new stuff <laughs> um all right well let's uh let's talk about some of the games that we have been playing and jump into our playlist all right nick i know you're always playing a lot of really interesting eclectic things what is on your playlist this week Sure. Yeah. Not as much as usual because I've been moving, but I did. Uh, I have been playing a little bit of stuff. Um, so Creeks is a game by Amanita Design that just came out on Apple Arcade and I believe is coming out very soon on consoles and such. Um, but I feel like it's it's uh, it's like it's I don't know. It's been I feel like it's been a rough few months for Apple Arcade. I'm still a subscriber, but like there's not as much I wanted to dive into. But this I played like immediately. Um, and so Amanita, they did uh, Machinarium. You may remember it's now yeah. on like any platform, every platform ever. They did Boat to Nicola. They did the Samaros series. They're just this amazing studio from the Czech Republic, I believe, um, that have just been like doing their thing of these incredibly beautiful, artful games. Um, and they just have so much, they just have so much like character and they remind me of a lot of like stop motion animation studios like Leica in the film mm-hmm. world where they just have like such a, this identity and so much charm and they are just operating on this level of artfulness that I think few people touch. Um, and I'm so encouraged that they're still able to do their thing. Um, and I think over the years, I was always sort of frustrated, like that there for a while, especially that the games weren't available on more platforms. Like Botanicula was only ever a PC game. It's one of my favorite games ever. Um, so I was sort of frustrated that they weren't like, you know, bringing their <laughs> games more widely, but I guess they figured it out. And again, this is not coming all platforms. So Creeks is this, um, uh, again, just really atmospheric sort of, uh, you, you're this, this, uh, guy who discovers this, giant like crazy underworld that you start exploring and um so far the gameplay is sort of um again a little like original prince of persia e out of this world flashback um where you're sort of just like moving around these rooms at a very overt level design of like dodging enemies and climbing up ladders and moving pieces of the level around but it's all in this really like fun world um and uh, I guess it's it's hard to like talk about their games because they are so visual, but just to have like such a mood and yeah. so many clever little level design touches. I'm spoiling an early thing, but there's uh, you sort of you know exploring this big dark weird world and then there's these sort of robot dogs that show up um and you start to realize that when like light is on they stay away from light they can't cross the light to get you and that starts being incorporated into some puzzles then there's this moment where inevitably the only solution to the puzzle is to like catch a dog in the light like turn on a light and catch it in the light and when you do that it turns into a little desk for you to climb on and reach a higher ladder and the knob on the desk has like this it looks like the eyeball on the dog and you start to realize these connections and it's just this little beautiful eye aha moment of level design that is like just really indicative of them of having these little funny moments um that are just really clever as well and so that wow. that game so far is just like wonderful and i think their yeah. whole catalog is incredible um all like the best versions of themselves whatever genre they're working and usually it's some this is more of like a sort of puzzle platformer um usually it's a little more point and click adventure but that game is awesome so far and again on apple arcade if you're a subscriber already and i think it's coming everything else soon um i'm looking at it right now it, gorgeous art style as you as you indicated uh, it's called Creeks, C-R-E-A-K-S, Creeks. And so much um, really, I want to call it like artisanal design or something very like modern and uh, annoying, but um, 
their stuff just feels so handmade like even all the animations in the first 10 minutes of the game that's happening to your character like uh and that i think generally is like the feeling of all of their games there's so many ad hoc little interactions that only happen like once um they made a game called kuhl a few years ago uh that you may remember that that game is just like a hundred levels of just little little funny set pieces happening to this character and they just you know, I think it's so much of indie game development is about um, coming up with ideas and assets that you can reuse and, and you know, yeah. uh, put in a different context and, like, get the most out of from a small budget. But somehow everything they do just feels like every step of the way is is made, like, one thing at a time. And that's great. Beautiful. Looks really um, beautiful. You guys have probably talked about Lonely Mountains Downhill on the show before, I imagine. Or uh, I else? think so. Christian, didn't you play this? It's a game that people have been telling me I need to play, and I have it downloaded. It's on Game Pass, and I have not played it, and I, I know I need to get to it. Th- this was a game where, and, and I realize it's been out for a while, so I want to, maybe it's boring, so I want to talk about it too much, but I, just within, like, in fi- within the first five minutes of playing it, when I started a couple months ago, I started playing it in quarantine. Um, within five minutes, I was like, ah, these controls are kind of weird. This is taking me a minute. Um, I like the concept and the aesthetic, but like, I don't know if I like the feel. And then 20 minutes later, I was like, oh, this is one of the best games of all time. Bar none. Wow, like, wow. It is just it, like as soon as it clicks and as soon as it sort of feels right, it is just a completely brilliant game. It's just this ridiculous, like minimal downhill mountain biking game and just holistically is amazing. Everything about it, like, again, the aesthetic, there's the sound design, there's like no music. There's just sort of like the hard turn of your like bike's tire in the dirt. And it sounds so like good and crunchy and satisfying. Just the game feel of the game is like off the charts. Um, and it reminds me a lot in a weird way of N++, uh, which is another yeah. one of my favorite games ever um uh that i was like a little bit involved in i should say so i'm a little bit biased but um it just has this degree of player expression uh this feels like in a 3d space whereas n plus plus is in a 2d space but um you're just sort of going down these giant uh mountains and trying to sort of find shortcuts and take turns as tightly as you can and it has this instant restart system where as soon as you crash you just restart immediately at the last checkpoint and you're just trying to get to the next checkpoint and sometimes you're going for like least amount of crashes and sometimes you're going uh you're going for uh just fastest run uh and i think it's just a completely brilliant game and i really hope they make more of them and do more with it um and it was you know i don't really i didn't know the studio before that but if this is their debut it's like wildly incredible hmm lonely mountains downhill yeah. or uh nintendo switch uh i'm gonna i'm gonna as soon as we get done with the show i'm gonna be texting this to dan trachtenberg because this is his jam a hundred percent and I, I played on ps4 by the way i think it's on everything now oh okay well. all and right like cool said, i think it's in game pass so i think it launched originally in the game pass on xbox i think weird, oh, yeah. like, i'm not a biking i don't even own a bike weirdly i think there's been like <laughs> like several incredible biking games over the years like I don't know if you guys ever played Downhill Domination on PS2, which was made by uh, Incognito, who made like Twisted Metal and such. Um, I I thought that game was amazing, too. And I always think of it as one of my favorite games ever. So somehow I think like biking is maybe just this thing that translates really well to games that's potentially underexplored. And then there's that um, that other one that came out also. Yeah, there's another one on Game Pass. That's why I thought of Triple X. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What is that? There's another one. There's one on uh, Game oh, Pass. Tenders. There you go. Yeah. I haven't played yeah. that one, but apparently that's good too. Yeah. So um, 
Cool. Lonely Mountains Downhill. The name is uh, terrible. I've talked about this with friends where any other combination of those words is a better name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or just any single of those words. But but, uh, <laughs> but everything about the game is inc- besides that is incredible. Uh, cool. And then just a real quick shout out for Earth Defense Force 5, which yeah. um, I am now on my third playthrough of. And really? there are 111 levels. Oh, my uh, God. And a friend of mine, my good friend, Alfredo, who lives in L.A., um, him and, and he's a high school friend. Him and I have played, been playing it for like 10 to 12 years, like just every iteration of the game we play through co-op. And for me, that series is like by far the best shooter. And like I said, I'm not a shooter guy um, and is so like, why? I mean, it's a kind of a cult game, but I think it is like an actually incredible shooter for a million reasons. And if I ever write another book about a game, I want it to be that game because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just so much fun. And there's so much like just the the scale of action in that game is unlike anything else the there's so much comedy built into it like there's just so many great things about it that are uh, under discussed but earth defense force 5 is great and they recently announced earth defense force 6 um plus the sort of lego looking one that's coming out sooner on switch uh they they sort of announced two at a time these days at least in japan so i'm hoping that comes uh, to the u.s sooner as well but that series is just the best very very cool man i love it you always bring such interesting selections and i uh it makes me feel like i'm not playing anything i'm not I'm playing anything <laughs> i love it i love it uh christian spicer what is on your playlist uh i have a few things to, to mention i'll start with uh of a, a while ago and i talked about secret thing secret thing two. i can talk about uh there's one other secret thing that i know about that i can't talk about yet um but i was a tiny tiny part a tiny 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 i cannot emphasize how tiny i was like a single mino small size part of uh, helping get Tetris Mobile out to market. And people can play that now. And depending on your city and where you are in the world, you can play in a mode called Primetime where you can win actual real US dollars for, for playing Tetris. There's a bunch of modes in it. Um, and it, it, it was it's a, you know, a treat to work on. Who would have known that when we called uh, Tetris objectively the best game of all time? Uh, pretty much any version of Tetris. Um, to, to be, a, again, a tiny, 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 tiny. Tetris DX for Game Boy Color. The very good Tetris. That is my pick. That is my pick for the best Tetris. Uh, That's a good pick. Effect because I can't stop playing it. Or Tetris like, Effect is pretty amazing. When I'm not playing it, but yeah. Uh, the DX is good though. Anyway, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's perfect. That's, that's the beauty of it. And I went into a Poyo Poyo hole for a while as well. Um, really really well done uh but tetris mobile it's out you can free you can you can download it i've obviously (laughs) played it and i can talk about uh that this week um my ring fit adventure update still going at it um today uh my oldest daughter wanted to watch i usually do it at night after they're asleep and she's like i want to see that what's that workout game and i was like let's see and so she did the thing you know sat next to me and she had a really good time with it and um it, you know, it still works me out. It is, it is no joke. My nit with the game right now is that it, I'm going through adventure mode still. And it, you know, rewards you uh, with experience points and you can unlock new moves and stuff like that. And since I'm playing a game and I'm not just exercising, right, um, I, I am doing the things that give me the advantage in the game. And so you can match your uh, moves against enemy types. So I think it's like red is upper body. If I remember correctly, purple is legs. So if it's like a purple enemy, purple enemies, you can do a leg move and that will be an advantage with them. And that's really fun. 
but then also for doing a dynamic stretch before you start, you get experience points. And it's it's a really low intensity <laughs> way to get a little bit of experience before you start. And so my nit with the game is that, at least as far as I've played, it's always the exact same stretching routine. Exact, it's like high knees, bring your uh, heels up to your waist, uh, do a couple of lunges and do a couple of like side leans. And it really- Like, any, like any high school coach will tell you, the exact same stretch routine every practice invariably will uh, be effective. Yeah, you do the exact ten. same thing every single practice. Don't bother me. Just do the stretches. Hang 10, pull your leg behind you, 20 jumping yeah. jacks. Get out there, kids. Yeah. Cross your foot over the other foot, bend over, count to 10. All right. Other foot, count to 10. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's par for the course, man. But what bums me out is the rest of the game isn't that, right? Like that would totally make sense if that was also the rest of the game. But as you unlock different moves and you get to pick, you know, I forget how many you can have currently active, um, you know, swapping things in and out and different moves have different cooldowns and different strengths and can target multiple enemies at a time or some are stronger just against one. And it keeps the workouts fun and fresh and interesting. And also that cool kind of RPG mechanic. It just bums me out that the dynamic stretch which i do every time for that whatever it is 250 xp if you know it's not a lot but i'm still like i'm gonna do it i'm not gonna not get this free xp um but it's it, I mean, keep your go ahead what's that Nick? I, I just had a question for you about it actually which is so i just moved into a new place uh and i had a, a, a problem with my neighbor in the in the previous place of, of him being too loud so if i were to play this game in my new place with hardwood floors is this a game that i would upset other neighbors like does it involve jumping or anything like that it involves a lot of running in place. So depending mm-hmm. on how loud that sounds uh, to people below you, potentially, um, yeah, it could be a problem. Right. <laughs> um, I have friends that play it on second stories, and they say that their neighbors below them don't hear it. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's... Yeah, they it's do. They just or... silently fume about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, it's, it's funny to me how many how big the YouTube workout video with no stomping uh, market is if you've looked on YouTube for workout videos, so yeah. many of them are zero noise on the floor, you know, an intense 30 minute workout with no noise. I'm like, Oh, I get it. Finally. <laughs> yes. And to your point about that, whenever we talked about it last time, Jeff, about like, there are so many workout videos online. Like, does this inspire you to keep going? Um, I think I failed to mention last time when we kind of compared it to those other plethora of, you know, workout options that are available is I really like the feedback this gives. Like I haven't had many uh, disconnects or kind of misreads from the Joy-Con on the strap on my leg. And then the ring itself, like as you're pushing, it registers how long you're holding it for. And it, you know, to like push harder, you have to push harder. And uh, that's pretty impressive considering what it's actually listening to, which is a, accelerometer and a tiny little controller piece you know yeah yeah and it it seems to that really incentivizes me to like get low enough on the squat and stuff like that and you feel a little vibration and it kind of helps you get into position so that is one key difference that i i think that this thing provides that you know the best workout video online doesn't have like this isn't the same as having a coach on the in the room you know helping you with your form and posture but i find it better than than nothing at all certainly and it's coming back up, like restocks are happening. So I would, if you are interested, it's not like when people talked about it last year and it was like, great, I'm never going to play that game. Yeah. 
there's a chance for the rest of us to get it. Um, that's Ring Fit Adventure. And then uh, I was one of the folks that jumped on to Hyperscape um, when it became available. Ubisoft's new. I think you mean hyperspace. Hyperspace. Oh, Space Mountain, I think is what it's called. (laughs) I went to Florida and I was like, you know what? Worth it. Um, uh, Wear a mask, be safe. Um, There is nothing worth going to Florida for right now. (laughs) Not right now. Even without COVID. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot to go there without COVID. We love Um, you, Florida. I'm just being funny. Um, hypers, hyperspace mountain, star Wars edition, episode nine, also known as hyperscape. Um, so as I mentioned in, in last week's show, I think like, uh, I think I like multiplayer games and then I quickly bounce off of them. That's where I am in hyperscape right now. I really like it, but by next week I will be frustrated as everybody's very good. Uh, <laughs> so take this for, you know, what it's worth. I am not a battle Royale expert, but I am someone that has put in a lot of hours into most of them. And what I find really interesting about Hyperscape is that it seems to be the Overwatch of Battle Royale. It's doing like Overwatch and Apex Legends style things in a Battle Royale, but kind of democratizing it a little bit more, Where or even um, Valorant as another hero shooter. um, The abilities are locked to the character type, right? So uh, if you're um, Tracer in Overwatch, you know, you can kind of zip through time and rewind and you have the guns and you're quick uh, versus, um, I was going to try to think of the character's name in Valorant and I cannot name them. Bill Valorant. (laughs) Bill Valorant. Um, It's the same thing. You can pick up any gun. That was a big uh, part of that game. Every every character can use every gun, but the abilities are still locked to characters. And then the same is true for Apex Legends, where it's Battle Royale in terms of finding resources on the map, but your ability depends on who your character is. In Hyperscape, uh, at least right now, everything is available to everybody. Like your character is just kind of your palette for customization. And it looks like they have a lot of that. There is a lot of room for um, your outfits, your, your guns, your items, your weapons, but then everything on the map, you pick it up. And that includes uh, essentially your super moves, which you can carry two at a time. So even mid match, if you find a different super, and I'm sure there will be a metagame to this about like, which supers are better at different stages in in a in a match um, and kind of how you want to play. But I find that really interesting and and and, and fresh in a way that um, you know a genre that is very well established now. So I think between that and it adds a level of verticality that the other battle royales don't really have. Fortnite does if you can build up to it, um, but otherwise, you know, there's not a lot of verticality in the map. And Apex has some verticality, but not in the way that Hyperscape does. Like, I think my first building I ran in, I ran up like 20 flights of stairs, blasted out a window, and jumped out and used an ability to launch down onto the ground. I still hurt myself some. Um, but you're seeing like double jumping and stuff like that. Uh, so if you are on the fence about it and you have a PC, I, I highly recommend the download to get into, what are they calling it, the open beta um, and I'm, I'm really curious to see how it evolves and grows. I, I think it's interesting the, their Twitch integrations with the Twitch extension where um, viewers can impact the game in interesting ways. I don't think that will be a huge effect on the meta. 
but I do think that makes it, you know, more interesting to watch than, than otherwise. And I, I do find battle royales to be interesting to watch on stream. So if you can be an active participant and maybe help or, you know, hurt <laughs> the stream where you're watching, um, is really exciting. And I really like the aesthetic, the, the graphical style that they have found for it, where it's not too realistic. Um, and it's not too kiddie. I feel like they kind of went maybe a little more realistic than something like, um, Valorant, but it, it kind of fits a middle between PUBG and um, Fortnite in terms of the look of the characters and stuff like that. And like I said, from the presentation up top, I'm really interested in the world and I'm curious if they do some world building around it. Right now, I feel like Apex does the best of that, in my opinion, in terms of like a real kind of story and narrative. And you get to know these characters and they're true to it. And the seasons usually kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Um, Fortnite definitely has fun, but you know, the stories are like this event, like a meteor comes and they do cool things in game, but it's just kind of what's the big bombastic thing we can do to get people in. I'm really, really curious to see what hyperscape grows and becomes. And I think if anything, Ubisoft has proven they, they stick with games, you know, even games that aren't surefire at first rainbow six siege didn't five year anniversary. Yeah. And even, um, what's their melee combat game? Oh yeah. Uh, for honor. Yeah, for honor, you know, got a lot of support over the years. So I think if they're willing to show that level of support to Hyperscape and it's able to to grow into something special, I think we could see an, another, you know, fourth pillar, you know, whatever you want to call it, of the battle royale genre. And I had a lot of fun with it, but I think only because people are still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're king of getting in there early and then popping out when the when the competition gets good. <laughs> Once the metas get figured out and everybody knows what to do and I only play, you know, two hours a week, uh, it starts being less fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last hey, thing that well let me before you go on let me just uh, let me just thank our our second sponsor real quick and i'll get right back to your playlist uh i wanted to tell you about a sponsor that we we had years ago and they're back they're back i'm so excited mac weldon is back as a sponsor and i'm so excited because if you remember i'm a huge fan of mac weldon clothes uh it says here mac weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now Except I'm wearing Mac Weldon right now. So it's it's probably true for a lot of you out there because comfort right now is king. Comfort, I I realized uh the other day I need like four shirts and two shorts. That's all I need in the world right now. But man, when you're wearing few clothes, when you're only inter- interacting with people via Zoom calls, you want to be comfortable. You want to look good, yes. You want to feel good more. And Mac Weldon is what I turn to. I'm I'm in Mac Weldon clothes right now because they're comfortable, because they feel great. They're worth it. I'm wearing these, um, I think they're called the Ace pant, uh, shorts, the Ace sweat shorts or something like that. Oh, so cool. I just ordered a second pair of these because I love them so much. I wear them like three days in a row, then wash them and then wear them immediately again. I love them. I've got uh Mac Weldon boxers, got Mac Weldon polo shirt, their Vesper polo, so comfortable, lightweight, wonderful, four-way active shorts. These are this are high quality but so comfortable. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, simple shopping. That is nice too. I get on, I'm not overwhelmed with a bazillion D options on the website. 
I can go through, I can select what they got like four different shorts and all of them are great. I, I have multiple of the different ones. I have like the nicer sort of slick. Can't remember what those ones are called, but they're like a slicker fabric. Those are cool too. But man, I love those. The ACE, I think they're called ACE sweatpants. Oh, so great. I'm, I'm in love with those. They're so comfortable and I, I wear them all the time now. And we want to help you look good. We want to help you feel comfortable. We want to get you in some Mack Weldon clothes because these are premium men's essentials. Premium, but so comfortable. And we'll give you 20% off your first order when you go to MacWeldon.com slash DLC and enter promo code DLC. That's MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash DLC. Folks at Mac Weldon have even created their own totally free loyalty program called Weldon Blue. Level one gets you free shipping for life. And once you reach level two by spending $200, Mac Weldon will start giving you 20% off every order for the next year. That's amazing. But we're giving you 20% off right off the top just because you listen to DLC. So go to MacWeldon.com slash DLC. Use that promo code DLC at checkout. Thank me later. All right, Christian Spicer, what's the last thing on your playlist there? I've been living in my Mack Weldon swimsuit uh, pretty much this weekend. So, yeah, right, works real nice. So good. They're so nice. nice. Um, This is the last thing I'm playing, but uh, I hope I didn't mess this up as you're listening. Uh, (laughs) But I've been tweaking my rig, and um, I used to have a Shure PG42 USB mic as my mic. And it uh, is old and, uh, you know, tech lust or whatever. So I upgraded. I'm currently on an Elgato Wavelink, uh, Wave 3, Elgato Wave 3. They announced the Wave 1 and the Wave 3. I bought a Wave 3 and the shock mount and stuff. And so far, again, I'm listening to this in real time in my monitor and it sounds great. (laughs) <laughs> but you can be the judge if I mess something <laughs> yeah. up. Uh, you really should have talked about this next week after you had heard an episode. Well, I'll just blame that on post. Um, yeah, it's my fault. But I really like it. I'm I'm really impressed with both the mic and I think more so with the software in terms of the virtual mixer that it gives you um, and allows for customizing everything kind of virtually to have one output then to go to OBS, OBS or your, your streaming software of choice. Um, yeah, I'm really impressed. I, I I really like it, and um, I'm excited to keep to keep twe- tweaking it and playing with it and, and seeing how I can get things perfected. But I know some folks have been talking about it recently, and um, uh, I'm very happy with it so far. So it's I'm now using the Elgato Wave Three as my mic um, from a Shure PG42 before that, and uh, so far so good. Go oh, in, cool. Yeah, sound good to me. We'll see. We'll see how it comes out in post. I'm gonna gonna put I'm gonna put a filter just on this segment, so when you go back and listen to it, you're like, "What?" Um, (laughs) uh, My playlist is uh, well. I have here's the thing, folks. Uh, I've been playing that Ghost of Tsushima, uh, and I'm I'm allowed to tell you that I've been playing it, but I'm not allowed to talk about it until Tuesday. So, same as Ghost of uh, Sashimi that I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah. So many of you are probably listening to this after Tuesday, and I would love to be able to talk at length about how I feel about that game. But because this episode's coming out literally the day before the embargo, I can't. 
and it kills me because I want to tell you about it in a timely fashion. We're going to have to wait until next week to talk about Ghost of Tsushima. But I have put a lot of hours into it, and I will tell you that. I have I'll played it. for the tweets about it, Jeff. <laughs> a lot. Tony. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, party game. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to... I don't know if I'm going to tweet about games anymore. <laughs> it's probably a better idea not to. Um, I will I, tell I, you that I'm fantastically jealous because uh, I think this is like the AAA game that I've most looked forward to in a few years at least. Yeah, I've been I've been looking forward to it for a long time as well. I mean, just the aesthetic is... is I mean, I remember when they first debuted it at E3, however many years ago that was, two or three years ago. Um, yeah. I was like, uh, but drooling. It's just, it, yeah, I was a are, fan of you, Akira Kurosawa movies. And, yeah, are you playing it in Kurosawa mode? I am not. No, okay. I am not. I would. I, I, I think that's a very cool thing, and it's awesome that the Kurosawa estate like signed off on it and gave him the thumbs up to do it. It's pretty cool. But no, I've just been playing it as as normal. Um, I got to I got I, I to try it a little bit just to you know see. At least you um, know the film franchise to compare it to. <laughs> thanks, Christian. Thanks. <laughs> Oh boy. Um I love you, friend. <laughs> I love you too. Uh somebody actually somebody at Sony was ribbing me uh about it. That'd be a, and, that'd be a pretty good self-parody tweet if you just like yeah. did the same thing well, right? He he's, he said well, that would be funnier. But he said I should I should compare it to the last samurai, the Tom Cruise, Tom oh, Cruise movie. I was like, God, oh, please, no. I don't love that movie, by the way. Really? I don't think I've ever even seen it, but uh, <laughs> Had a good time. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, the game, the game. I mean, we're not going to do a, we'll not do a VR segment this week because I, I'm really the only one playing VR. But uh, I will tell you just briefly that I repurchased Subnautica again uh, because I played through that game on my Oculus in from the Oculus Store, and I want to experience that game again on Index. And because it was the steam summer sale and it was heavily discounted i'm like yeah i'll buy it on steam just to be able to play it on index and also walled gardens suck i, I really do not like walled gardens it makes me sad that i i have this game i have a save game on it on my oculus store version and i can't play my index on the oculus store games so is i that, had to is, that, is that true i feel like there's got to be a way to do that pretty easily well they have they have revive right but revive and revive works pretty well this is a third party sort of hack uh, that actually Oculus has not even it has sort of tacitly endorsed, you know, saying it's it's fine. But Subnautica has been problematic for me on Revive. I, I can't get it to behave. Uh, but again, it's because it's this sort of, you know, just this one guy who's putting out this thing called Revive that, you know, each game they have to get to work. And it's, you know, it's a it's a hack. It's a emulator, basically. Um, I want you to just grab your save file, though, somehow, like go in. I wonder. That's a good question. I wonder if I could. Anyway, um, so I repurchased it on on Steam and put it on with my index. And that game is still one of my favorite VR experiences. Yes, it does not support touch controls. Yes, you're just sitting there with a controller in your hand, a, a normal, you know, dual stick controller in your hand. But it's still just so immersive and so incredible. And I love the fact that, you, you know, you're, you're basically a, a, in a... Um, scuba gear right and then if you're really in scuba gear you would have this big mask on your face so just that level of immersion already works really well because you've got this feeling of a mask on your face and if you've ever been scuba diving or snorkeling before you it feels right right it's 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 already cool but man on the index it just looks that much better and crisper and it's it's a gorgeous game 
And it made me think, Christian, I know we had such a discussion last week about Half-Life Alex and your inability to sort of be into uh, first-person, you know, verisimilitude games in VR. I w- have you tried this in VR? Have you tried Subnautica? I have not. It came out at a time when, you know, I was transitioning from Oculus to you know, right. put that away and then had my PSVR as my main headset. And it's something that I, I've looked at, but just haven't invested. And now I, yeah, I was, I was just looking up and this apparently is not on, you can't, you can't play Subnautica on PSVR, even though it is on PS4, which is a bummer. Yes. It's really a bummer. They don't support PSVR on PS4. Yeah. It's a bummer. Um, I wonder if maybe they'll do that if PS5 comes out. It'd be interesting, but I'm curious if it would fix your problem or make your problem worse, Christian, because it's a Z axis game, right? You're in the water for 99% of the game. And so you're able to move up and down and in and around all in in Z axis, but also you're not, you're not touching stuff with the touch, you know, the the touch controls, you're using a controller. So I wonder if you would be less nauseated or less, feel like le- that disconnect that you don't like, or I- I'm just curious if it would work for you or not, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's such a, it's such a great game, even in 2d, but in VR, it is absolutely spectacular. Cause it just feels like I'm swimming and exploring. And I feel all the danger and excitement and thrill and beauty of being in this untamed magical underwater world. It's such a good game. Anyway, I uh, picked that up for like, 12 bucks on the steam summer sale which was totally worth it to buy it again um and then i've also been playing a a game that's in early access called the waylanders and i was drawn to this because it's got some uh it's a developer that has some members that used to be on the dragon age teams the mass effect teams and the pillar of eternity teams and it is a big massive role-playing game experience team-based I mean, it very much is a sort of spiritual successor type thing to Dragon Age, to Mass Effect. So I was super excited about it. It's an early access. And we talk about a lot of early access games on the show. And most early access games are code for not content complete. But the Waylanders early access really does feel like even not not polished (laughs) it's got a lot of missing stuff and it 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 has bugs and it really is an early access game it is really actively being developed and i can't really recommend it right now but it has a lot of potential and it's certainly one to keep your eye on dear listener uh it's called the waylanders it's got this really cool sort of almost mythical uh setting but fantasy as well and some of the fun mechanics that they're working on that are already in the game but kind of don't really work as well as I think they're going to is that you create these formations. And if you have a team-based RPG in the past, I'm sure you're very familiar. Even Pillars of Eternity or, or uh, Baldur's Gate had formations that your team would walk in. But the formations in Waylanders are sort of the next level of that, where your formation actually can be leveled up and you can it, the formation itself almost has a progression system and new you get new attacks new skills when you are in certain formations and it's a really clever new concept that i've not seen used before where you can create a phalanx and you can create you know all these very specific maneuvers that you're doing with your team in these formations that actually grant you new abilities when you form in them and i i think that's a really interesting thing but man the game crashed several times on me 
Uh, there's a lot of temp art. There's a lot of temp audio. It looks like it's going to be a big, sprawling role-playing game with lots of dialogue trees and you know voice acting and the whole nine. It, and it really has an interesting art style. I have a lot that I'm very encouraged by in seeing it, but it's not ready for prime time yet. And it's it says right on an early access game. It's just that that name has been so... It describes such a wide variety of experiences now that I think people expect a polished game that just isn't done. And this is not that. So so keep your eye on it, The Waylanders. All right. Um, you know, Nick, I would hate to have you on and not talk a little board games because you're one of my favorite board game people. So let's uh, let's jump in and talk just briefly a little bit of tabletop time. So we're all in a global pandemic lockdown situation. I know I have been playing a lot less board games than I would normally do. I just don't see people. Uh, it's all it's all depressing anyway, pulling games out and just playing with my wife, which we have done. It doesn't happen very often anymore, which makes me sad. Uh, what is your situation with board games these days, Nick? Yeah, that's, that's not great. Uh, living alone doesn't help either. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm. It's, it's sort of like torturous now because I just moved into this new place, and it has the, my like living main living area has this giant uh, like built in closet that I spent like a couple days and finally got all my board games out into it. So I have them all in one place, which was not the case in anywhere I've lived previously. They were sort of scattered around. So I had this big glorious shelf of board games. I have a whole another shelf uh, of like Asian board games because I'm very into Japanese games, especially. And so like I have them all set up now, but no one to play with uh, given the circumstances of the world right now. So yeah. I've been playing a decent amount of digital stuff. Um, I'm always playing Lost Cities is my favorite game. My favorite game ever. It's a card game. Uh, by Ray yeah, game. Yeah. And that I'm sort of always playing on my phone. We should play it uh, on the digital version. Um, yeah. But um, so I'm always playing that. I went back to Castles of Burgundy and play. I've been playing a lot of that. Um, I'll tell you real quick. I'll tell you uh, Lost Cities yeah. is the only game I brought with me on my honeymoon. Nice. Perfect. That's a great. My idea. wife and I played Lost Cities in Italy. It was great. Yeah, that's a phenomenal game. Um, and yeah, Castle of Burgundy, I don't know if you played. Um, I feel like yes. that's like the best Euro game. I think it's uh, sort of close to a perfect game. Um, I love it. And that has a really good digital port as well that I've been playing a lot. Um, so definitely doing the digital stuff where I can. Um, one game I did actually just get in the mail, though, that I'm excited for eventually being able to bust out is called Air, Land, and Sea. Mm. Um, and I had to order it sort of off the uh, geek market on Board Game Geek because it's a little bit hard to find. Um, it's a game by John Perry, who made a game called Time Barons uh, with Derek Yu, who made Splunky, um, which you guys have probably played, I imagine. Um, yes. And all the art in Time Barons is by Derek, and so it looks very Splunky aesthetically. But Time Barons is one of my favorite games ever. It's just this really just this really sort of uh, intense game where you're uh, sort of it's a card based game, but you're like building different fortresses and churches and things in front of you. Um, and then like going on the attack against your enemy and trying to wipe out their followers that they're recruiting. And you play over several like time periods. So you're, you sort of, as you upgrade the deck, you go from like bows and arrows to like nuclear weapons. Um, and it's just this really stressful game where you're constantly being like knocked back on your heels while trying to like build up power and build sort of this engine up. Uh, and it's really great. And it's primarily a two player game, but it has this really hectic four player mode. That's fun. 
And uh, so John Perry, who made, who was the lead designer on that, he made Air, Land, and Sea, which is like a military theme game. You're fighting over these different theaters of war, which isn't my cup of tea theme-wise, but I'm sure is great because he's a great designer. Um, and it's also a two-player game, and I can always get down with a good two-player game. So I'm excited to bust that out, and I just got that in the mail. Um, mm. But sadly, uh, again, need some some warm bodies to play with. Yeah, it looks really cool. I'm just checking it out on Board Game Geek myself. Yeah, t- I, yeah, Time Barons though I can that I can like massively recommend that he made before. Um, so I've good. never played that. I will uh, definitely look into Time Barons. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I uh, I tried, um, um, uh, I tried Tabletop Simulator for the first time. We oh, talked about time. it. Yeah. I think yeah, I think I can't remember who it was that was on just recently telling us about Tabletop Simulator and how. Oh, maybe it was Jeff Engelstein. That's who it was. Jeff Engelstein came on. And uh, was telling us about that. Uh, I finally got a chance to try it. Uh, a friend had a board game a concept that, that he's working on and wanted to test it out. And uh, my experience with it was actually pretty positive. I thought it was pretty interesting. I, I think it's a great way. We had a great time. We all got on uh, Discord. And I think there was like six or eight of us. It was a party game. Uh, so it was a lot of people. Uh, and um, we all could look at the screen of the tabletop simulator. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty simple uh, set up with cards and and doodads but it worked great uh and i know that for more complicated games that's uh, people have issues with it with the sort of physics of it but uh, i was impressed i was impressed i was like oh yeah this kind of works and this also really works as a you know quarantine type gaming experience we were all having a really good time all seeing each other's faces on discord and you know playing playing board games so i was i was encouraged by that yeah uh, I, I, think, I expected I think... it not to like it <laughs> I think first impressions of it are kind of rough and even the tutorial and you're like, ah, this can't possibly be fun. But then I think some of the games are really well done. I mean, so much of it is like sort of this gray area where people have like, you know, not there are official ports of games in Tabletop Simulator, but but most of it is just non-official ports that who knows how long they'll be around. But I played Alien Frontiers on it like six weeks ago with some friends, which is a phenomenal game. Um, And I think as long as you have someone who's played that exact version of it, before to sort of walk you through how it works and, and had sort of just enough scripting to it. Like some of them have zero scripting and you have to move everything around yourself. And that's the main difference of playing like a, a you know, an, uh, like a, a official port of or like an ad hoc um, version of a digital game is it does everything for you in tabletop simulator. It's like literally just a table and you have to move the score marker usually, and you have to count things and all that. So, but I think within a few minutes, you usually adjust, um, and and again, I think if you have someone to walk you through the specific interactions and some games do have scripting to help with some things um, that it can be pretty good. So that took me, you know, half an hour to click with it. But then it's like a two, three hour game. And over the course of it, it was really good. So we, I think when it's good, it works well. Um, definitely the fact that you have to even like use Discord uh, is sort of annoying. Like, you ha- you know, you have to yeah. it's, it's just sort of this piecemeal thing. But um, right. but yeah, it's totally workable. I had very low expectations. So I think it exceeded those. <laughs> but uh, and then since you you know brought up a game that you're excited about, I wanted to bring up a game that I'm excited about. I'm I have it pre-ordered and uh, I'm really I. I have talked a bunch of times on the show about Gloomhaven, which is actually currently the number one rated game on BoardGameGeek. It's just kind of a very big deal. Uh, everybody knows that site. Um, and I've, I've already pre-ordered Gloomhaven Frost or Frosthaven, which is the $100 sequel to that game. And, you know, that'll come out in a year or whatever. And I'll get this giant box and hopefully we'll all be able to actually play games again when that arrives. But in the meantime... There's a a game that's coming out, I guess, 
next month called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which is sort of Gloomhaven on a small scale. And I am so excited about this because Gloomhaven, if you know anything about it, is this massive box. It takes a big commitment. It's like tons of moving parts and setup time. And it's just, it's just a beast in the best way, but it's a beast. And the whole idea behind Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, as I understand it, haven't played it yet, but I want to, uh, is that it kind of cuts down all that stuff. It's the like streamlined version of Gloomhaven. It's its own storyline. This is a dungeon crawl role-playing game. It's Dungeons and Dragons without the need of a dungeon master, basically. And, um, and it has this big booklet that has all the maps and you just sort of open the book to the right page and you can just put all the pieces right on the book rather than setting up cardboard and doing all this, you know, very time consuming setup. So I'm super excited for Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. And uh, I, I want it to arrive at my house as soon as possible because you can play that game solo as well, which I have. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's that streamlined take sounds cool. Uh, a friend of mine. um uh i went to like a board game like swap meet thing where everyone just brings a bunch of games to get rid of and no one wanted gloomhaven at the swap meet i was at oh really and so i ended up and i, I came i went with a, i went there with a friend who brought it and no one else wanted it so i ended up taking it from him like i was curious about it but just sort of the scale of it is like not the sort of usual thing i played so i took it home didn't play it at all um <laughs> then the pandemic hit this is like over the course of a year and the pandemic hit um and now i had to move it like moving apartments into my new place and now i have it sitting on the shelf with no one to play with i feel like it's a curse <laughs> they curse me with because <laughs> yeah. it's just this massive like you know two foot by one foot by one foot really heavy box that like takes yeah. up order of a shelf that i just have i mean i guess you're saying i could play it solo i don't know if i would but I like the idea that I could, but so now I'm just, I'm just like this cursed object that I can't shed myself off. <laughs> it is, it is massive. It, yeah. It's like a monolith that pulls yeah. you around exactly. for sure. But I don't know. I, I, I kind of love it too. I love the, I love the size and audacity of it. You know, yeah, it's just like, yeah. I'm curious. <laughs> huge. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let me just uh, thank our final sponsor, which is hello fresh. Oh, talk about things that are useful in these topsy turvy times of ours. How inconvenient has it become to get food into your face? It's very inconvenient, but you want food that is not only delicious, but yeah, has good ingredients. Maybe is, is kind of healthy for you, actually nourishes your body, and you know what goes into it, and you have variety. One of the things that annoyed me so much, well, not annoyed me, but it, it, was, an, it was a negative part of my life when I was a bachelor, before I had hella fresh in my life, and that is... I ate the same things all the time, constantly the same, like three or four meals. I just, I just got in a rut and I ate the same thing over and over. Talk about a great way to get variety into your diet. Hello fresh. It saves you time and stress because you don't have to worry about going to the store. They have contactless delivery right to your doorstep or easy home cooking with the family, with yourself, whatever you need. You don't have to stress about meal planning or going to the grocery store and you can get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. There's even the 20 minute quick recipe options with HelloFresh. And there's so many recipes to choose from every week. You break out of your recipe rut. It's awesome. They have something for everyone, including low calorie meals, vegetarian, family friendly recipes every week. I do the family friendly variety. It's awesome. 
Over 90% of the ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure the freshest recipes are delivered to your door. And it's sustainable. Their pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. That's one of the things I love too. Whenever I used to cook for myself, I would pick a recipe, buy a bunch of ingredients, and then make that recipe and have a bunch of leftover ingredients that just went bad in the fridge. No more, not with HelloFresh. It is flexible, it fits your lifestyle, and it feeds my whole family. I get to be the one that cooks the dinner for my family. It makes me feel proud. And HelloFresh is now giving back like never before. They're committed to making fresh, delicious food available. They've donated over 2.5 million meals to charity in 2019, and 2020 is going to be even bigger. So be like me. Feed your family. Feel good about making food yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC80 and use promo code DLC80 to get a total of $80 off. Wow. Including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash DLC80 and enter DLC80. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. Check it out. I think you're going to like it. All right. That's it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Nick Sutner, thank you so much for being here, man. That was so great. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me back, and I'll try to make the rest of the year a little better. Uh, I, I, that's the least you can do, man. I pre- a little better. <laughs> I, would, yeah, I think we would take a little tiny bit better. Yeah, any, any bit better, I would be grateful for. Uh, tell people where they can keep up with you and all the great things you do online. Yeah, uh, probably just at uh, at N Sutner on Twitter, N-S-U-T-T-N-E-R. Uh, NickSutner.com is my website, which is uh, due for an overhaul hopefully soon. But uh, Twitter is usually the best place to find me. Cool, man. I, man, I always love checking in with you, and, and I miss seeing you in person, but uh, it's so great to hear from you and and see your perspective on games. It's such a, such a cool, you're, you have your finger on the pulse of sudden, you know, a a section of the market that I just, I love and I appreciate hearing about. Thank you, sir. I would love to hang out too, play some board games at some, in in some future world where that's possible. Yeah. Let's Um, all, let's all hope. (laughs) I I also, I also will, uh, real quick, um, promote again, I suppose my, my podcast called the Splunky show like, which is kind of just a game design show hosted by four game developers. Uh, and we use Splunky and other roguelikes as sort of a lens through which we discuss a lot of things. Um, but we have a great, um, like discord community too, of other game designers. And I really enjoy doing that so i'll mention that real quick that's another place to find me the spelunky show like check it out christian spicer what do you got going on this week we are continuing our episodes about the last of us part two over on the official the last of us podcast the next episode comes out tuesday and it is spoiler territory but you can find um, episodes all about the first game some fun artifact episodes between those two. And then our conversation now into the last of us part two, uh, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, whatever, Google, wherever you want to find it, just search for the official, the last of us podcast. Um, and you can beat me at Tetris <laughs> in Tetris prime times every night at seven 30 um, PM. What else is there? Oh, uh, Twitter at Spicer S P I C E R. And then, um, keep emailing uh, Jeff that uh, I was right and the Half-Life Alex is, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. All right, fair enough. Uh, you can follow <laughs> me fault. on they Twitter. It's my fault, I'm sorry, it's my fault. <laughs> no one blames you except everyone. It's okay. Uh, 
You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I have uh, several other shows for you to check out, including a movie and TV sh- review show called uh, the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. And I do a comedy science show that'll, uh, you'll, you'll come away learning something and also chuckle in a few times. I, I predict it's called We Have Concerns. You can find it at wehaveconcerns.com. And then my long form Dungeons and Dragons show, which constantly, I know every week I say this is the best episode we've ever done, but it's, it does feel like that. It, it is an extraordinary experience, um, being part of the show that it, it just constantly amazes me. Um, and the feedback that we get from people that finally give it a chance, they're all like, ah, yeah. So please be one of those people that gives our show a chance. You can jump on with any episode. We are on episode 54 and, uh, I urge you to just give it a shot. It's called the dungeon run. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. If you want to listen to it, like an audiobook, you can do that. Search for the dungeon run. You can watch it on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run on YouTube, or you can watch live as we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's wrap our show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Nick, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Oh, man. Well, you're a little like ska pop song just now. Maybe you want to suggest a lot of music because I'm a big ska pop guy. But, well, no, I, I shouldn't actually, but it got me in the mood. Well, <laughs> the things I wrote down, I guess I'll stick to, which is uh, two movies that I watched in the last 24 hours. Uh, one is called The Old Guard on Netflix, and one is called Palm Springs on Hulu. Uh, they both just came out. Have either of you guys watched either of those movies? I watched both uh, this oh, weekend. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, I really enjoyed both. And... Um, so Old Guard is kind of a, a film about this like team of immortal superhero-ish figures led by Charlize Theron. Um, and it's sort of, uh, you know, they've just been been a- alive for a long time and they, uh, I don't know, go sort of, I don't know, they're both like hunted and they go around helping people. Um, but it's just a sort of, it almost feels like the slice of life thing where it's like they've just been doing their thing for a long time and it feels like kind of a small scoped film in some ways, which I like. Mm. Um, and I just like a different sort of superhero films because I'm, I'm a little, uh, a little like disillusioned with a lot of modern Marvel stuff. Like I, I watch it all because I grew up with superheroes and I enjoy it, but it's kind of the same film a lot of the time and always mm. like an origin story or something. Um, so this was just felt like something really different. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I think Charlie's the run is great. Um, and then, Palm Springs, uh, and I want to ask, I, I want to know what you think of Olgar too, but just to bring Palm Springs into it, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it sort of reveals what the film is like 15 minutes in. I guess skip forward a little bit if you want to avoid that spoiler. Yeah. I didn't know anything about this movie when I watched it, and I was super yeah. glad I did. Me just, neither. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I kind of got a spoiler to talk about it. Okay. Um, so a little bit. If, yeah. So if you don't want to know anything about Palm Springs, skip forward 30 seconds. Yeah. But yeah. But, but basically, it's, and sorry, Christian, um, <laughs> but basically, it's like a Groundhog's Day-esque film of Andy Samberg at this wedding um, and he's just like stuck reliving this day over and over again. So these two films, while very different, actually have this weird thematic similarity of sort of <laughs> the, the weird like depression of just being like being stuck and alive for too long in this one situation and very different obviously, but uh, I really enjoyed both films. Um, didn't Me you too. like them? I did. I did. I really liked them. We're going to talk about them on the Slash Filmcast as well, but uh, yeah, I I really like both. I was blown away by Palm Springs. I just thought that movie was so smart and mm-hmm. clever and different. And uh, 
I was so glad I didn't know anything about it because there's a point where you're like in this romantic comedy and then yeah. something completely bonkers happens and you're like, what movie is this? Oh, and uh, it, it's cool. When that happens, I literally, I literally paused and texted a friend of mine and said, I'm 12 and a half minutes into this film and I don't really know what it is, but I, I like it and I think you're going to like it too. Because like as soon as that <laughs> happened, I was like, I don't know where it's going, but whatever, wherever it is, like I'm on board for. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, have in no way been following the film and I, I knew that already. I feel like they're advertising with that. Maybe not. They are. Thought, but like. Got it. I haven't heard of it at all, and that's all I know about it. I know this. Okay, it's such okay. a bummer because I I get that they I get why they're advertising it. I saw I heard a radio ad, and they're like, "It's this," and I was like, "Oh, I, I wish people didn't know because I mm-hmm. didn't know." And it it takes you by surprise if you don't know. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I'm just always down for sort of like indie light sci-fi films. It reminded me a bit of yeah. uh, Safety Not Guaranteed, if you remember yeah. that from years yeah. ago. Like, uh, uh, yeah, no, I really like that. Um, did, were you into Old Guard? Oh yeah, I totally yeah. dug Old Guard. I I thought that movie was was surprisingly strong. Yeah, there's a couple of things in it that that I was like, mm, but overall, uh, pretty great, pretty great. Yeah, uh, yeah, both uh, high recommendations. Cool. Says so Old Guard and Palm Springs. Christian Spicer, what about you? A parting gift? Well, I'll fill in for you, Nick and Jeff. I, I mean, I think the the gift I'd give is one we had teased before, and you will give uh, full throated here at the end. Mm. Won't. Yeah, I'll, you'll help. You'll join in. I know. I won't step on it more, but uh, something I haven't mentioned for it's been out for a while now, but newfound glory's new album forever and ever times infinity is really good. It is, um, classic NFG in my opinion, where also a pop punk gentleman. What was that? Also a pop punk gentleman. That's oh, good to hear. So. Yeah, too much. So, um, right. their last album had a couple of songs. I liked well enough on it, but I didn't keep the album on, on heavy playlist. And <clears throat> excuse me, this one it's frequent and will be for a while. Like it's up there with sticks and stones for me. So if you have maybe been sitting on the sidelines or, you know, haven't listened to NFG since sticks and stones perhaps, and are looking for something to listen to uh newfound glory's new album forever and ever X infinity. I think it's quietly been an incredible like six months for music. Like there've been so many great albums released during quarantine, at least from what I listened to. And I really, I really enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump right in with my parting gift. Uh, it is also music. And it's uh, my son's favorite band has a new album out. My three-year-old son's favorite band, The Midnight, which also happens to be my favorite band at the moment. And I think, Christian, one of your favorite bands at the moment. Uh, we talk about The Midnight a lot on the show. It's only because Midnight is brilliant and every album is amazing. Their newest album, Monsters, just came out on Friday. And it's phenomenal. Uh, if you need any convincing, let me tell you that the album begins with the sound of booting up a computer in 1991, an old Windows 95, or not 95, whatever that was, Windows, whatever that was, ME, I don't know, no, not ME, whatever it was, uh, old Windows logon sound, and then uh, connecting to a dial-up modem and logging on to America Online. Uh, so right there, you know you're you're in a brilliant place for music. Um, it's, it's so good. It's so good. I will tell you some of my favorite tracks on the new album. Uh, my favorite track on the new album today right now is dream away, which is brilliant. I also love the song Brooklyn and prom night. I think are my top three right now. Christian, what, what is, what is roughly the genre of this band? It's, it's, uh, eighties synth pop 
in, in, what, what do they call it? Started like, as synth wave, synth pop, and then this album, I, I, it definitely has songs that hearken to that. But I also really love it for they're showing their growth and they're not yeah. fined by it as much. Um, yeah, if you have to put it in a in a box, it'd be like um, electronic in like synth wave. It's it's so my jam. Incredible. It's so my yeah. jam. Brooklyn uh, and this new album is really good. My my one two punch off this album right now. Say it again. Brooklyn and then Deep Blue and they're like right yeah. after each other. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean they're all good. The Seventeen's an amazing song. There's a couple of um, instrumental songs on the album that are amazing. Helvetica and um, what's the other one? Uh, is it Search for Echo? I think they're both amazing. Dude, it's an incredible album and they keep putting out incredible albums this is their what fourth lp i think they have one ep as well i don't know it's it's so good monsters by the midnight you should definitely grab it it's fantastic it is fantastic uh also we got a listener suggested parting gift this comes to us from jonathan Ashley uh via email he sent it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com jonathan also sent a very lovely uh just a just a nice note of how much he appreciates the show and um, how much he looks forward to it every week, which is I think so sweet and appreciated. Um, hey guys, but Jonathan, I've never heard someone describe a VR game so poorly than last week's episode, Christian. How could you have played so many VR games yet not fundamentally understand that in VR space, if you aren't exactly where you want to be, just move your feet? Oh, sorry, this is an email <laughs> my wife sent me. I I apologize. Yeah. That is the wrong. Yeah, we got a lot of emails from your wife. We get one every week, actually. <laughs> Dear, she Jeff, has a lot. Make the show shorter. I miss him. <laughs> She's got a lot of criticisms. Let me just say. Uh, anyway, Jonathan writes, uh, "Hey guys, been listening to you both since the weekend confirmed days back then from Australia and now from New Zealand." Keep uh, going strong. I'm so take us with you, Jonathan. With you. Yeah, take us life. with you. Go to sports events for us and all the. Yeah, Jonathan movies. has needs not worry about any kind of uh, COVID problems. Anyway, uh, he continues uh, for my parting gift. I want to make everyone aware of a short three episode show called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. They are best friends and a comedy duo specializing in long form improv, which they worry is in dire straits today. Most comedians start in improv, then graduate to stand up or scripted TV shows and movies. But Middleditch and Schwartz are trying hard to show that improv is still worth fighting for. In their show, they start with one question from an audience member. What is an event coming up that you are either looking forward to or dreading? And then improvise a 45-minute comedy about it. They invent characters on the spot and play them all, switching characters and positions on the fly as they each come up with ways to propel the story forwards. It's great. I really encourage you all to check it out. Uh, I've watched all the Middleditch and Schwartz. I'm a big fan of those guys, uh, especially uh, Ben Schwartz. I think he's really brilliant guy uh played board games with him actually once um and uh i can concur jonathan very very funny very smart great it's very hard to make improv work filmed it's a very much a live experience but they did a great job with these netflix specials and i also uh i also uh agree with you they should be watched by everybody if people don't know who the actors are too, uh, or comedians. Uh, ben Schwartz is John Rapio from uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec, yeah. From Sonic the Hedgehog. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> right, Sonic, yeah. And then Thomas Middleditch is the the lead guy in Silicon Valley. Because um, yeah. I feel like most, most people have seen both of them, but maybe don't done another also name. Also known so. as BB-8. BB-8, oh, yeah. True. I didn't yeah. know. I believe the um, two of them collab to be BB-8's kind of sounds. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I, I saw I saw Middle Edition Schwartz live up here in January, actually, um, and it was super good. It was really funny. Uh, yeah, they're great. And, really. and that was right before they were about to release the the specials, um, or a couple months before. And they they were just talking also about how yeah, it really is sort of an important thing where it's like if these do well, it could open up, um, you know, open up more attention to this sort of format. So yeah, uh, they're really good. The only that I will pick stand up and improv are different art forms. One does not, a lot of times people are talented at both, but I would argue that one does not lead to the other or vice versa. Correct. Yes. Middle Ditch and Scorch are both uh, incredible performers and a talent. And yes, their improv is phenomenal. Indeed. Indeed. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Nick Sutner and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us in real time. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those awesome bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you listening. We're grateful for you. We'll be here next week. I hope you are too. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>